0: Brother Heath, thank you for that. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. As you're turning there, I always appreciate the privilege to preach here at church. And tonight is no exception. You might not always appreciate the chances I get to preach, but I certainly do. And uh, it is good to be here tonight. I, I do feel like I, I, I'm i looking at them tonight, and Miss Nicole and... and uh, Quincy and, and Avery, I, I understand I might have hurt your feelings this morning with the, um, with the shoe joke, and, uh, and so I'd like to say, I'm not sorry, okay? And, uh, and so when your own team stinks, you tend to pull for the folly of your rivals, and that is certainly where I am at in my fandom today, okay? And, uh, and so it is uh, good to be here once again tonight. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 read a very familiar passage of scripture. Uh, The guys in the sound booth asked me earlier if I had any notes. I didn't have any notes to give them for tonight, and so... Uh, all of you note takers, you're on your own. You won't get the screen to help you. And uh, I told Brother Zach, I said, I only got two two notes anyways. And he was like, yes. And I said, well, you've got to be careful, okay? When when a, when a preacher doesn't have a whole lot of notes, you could be in for a very long evening, okay? And, uh, and so we'll see where the Lord takes us. And I know some of you guys want to play basketball afterwards. And so uh, try not to make your legs too cold. And we'll get out of here uh, at a decent hour. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt hath lost his savor wherewith shall it be salted it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men ye are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but not on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Verse number 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Read this passage, and it's a very familiar passage uh, talking about the salt of the earth, which, which we know uh, Jesus is talking about us as Christians. Uh, but we get down to verse number 16, and he makes this statement, and, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase here. And, and he's saying, uh, don't just talk about your Christianity, show it. Don't just talk about your Christianity, show it. Uh, many times at my house, I, uh, you know, it's sometimes chaos at my house with all the girls talking at one time. And I'm like, Diana, please be quiet. I'm, <laughs> that's not what I meant. And, uh, and, and all the girls are, are, are chatting up and, and, uh, and, and one of them will say something. And I won't pick on her, but sometimes it's Emma. and uh, um, Sometimes it's Emma and uh, uh, she'll say something and, and, uh, and we'll, I'll say, okay, let's see it. Let's see it. She'll say, oh, I, I can do that. I say, okay, let's see it. Get her done. Do it. And uh, and so she'll go to do it and and maybe sometimes actually does it. And I'm like, all right, wait to back that up. Or maybe she doesn't. And that's not just an Emma thing. That, that happens to all of us. And I think if we were all being honest, uh, we would say, Okay, that's happened to me before, uh, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. Uh, Miss Pam had asked if I could find somebody to pick up all these poinsettias that you see throughout church. And, uh, and I procrastinated and ended up having to do it myself. And, uh, uh, and so I had the Suburban on Saturday morning, and I was just going to run the Suburban over. Uh, to where it was, uh, over by Carson to pick up these uh, beautiful, beautiful poinsettias. And uh, I said, like, well, I just hate the Suburban. I uh, don't want to put them in the back of the pickup. I want the leaves to be on them uh, when we get them back to church. And as I'm starting to get ready, the girls were like, oh, we'd love to come too. So, okay. I'm thinking about it. 40 poinsettias in the Suburban and six people. The math doesn't match up there very good. And I uh, thought to myself, well, I can do it. It ain't no big deal. We'll figure it out when we get there. So we load up and get over to the place where all the poinsettias are. And I pull up and the, I said, I'm with Central Baptist Church and here to pick up all the poinsettias. She goes, okay, where's the trailer? I'm like, well, <laughs> I got the Suburban. And, uh, and she goes, and you have all these children? I said, yes. And she goes, I don't think so. I said, gonna work and she said something to this effect she says i'd like to see it <laughs> you know what i took that as a challenge a challenge i'd like to see it and so we started to load up the medium ones first into the back of the suburban and uh we're getting them crammed in there and they have all this brown paper around it to keep them nice and preserved and straight and uh we get them all loaded up all those medium-sized ones and she goes It's not going to happen and I said I think it is and she followed that up with I'd like to see it I'd like to see it and so I you know every time she said it I I, and I wasn't being rude but every time she said it you know there was just something in me like this is going to work I don't care what happens I don't care if the girls can't breathe Uh, we are loading up all these poinsettias and getting them to the church and uh, we get to the back, she so, said, okay, you got to pull around the other side, and we're uh, putting in the little bit uh, smaller ones. And so we start to load up the smaller ones uh, beside those medium-sized ones in the back of the Suburban. And, uh, and I'm, just to be honest, starting to get a little nervous. Like, this lady can't be right. I don't want to be wrong and, uh, and so I start to get them loaded up and then I close the Suburban and open up the back window hatch. It's a great invention. You can really stuff more things in there. And, uh, and so I start to stuff them in there, you know, little by little by little. And she, just, she says, you know, and, and by this point, literally the back of the Suburban is just jam full of poinsettias. And she goes, don't forget about your six very large ones. And in my mind, I was thinking, you know, a certain size. And she goes, "They're down there." And this is no lie. I was around the suburban on the back, and I was feeling pretty confident at this point. And I look over, and there's these big, giant poinsettias over there. And I'm thinking, I'm not even sure those can fit in the suburban, even if I had enough room. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, as a man would do, how can I make this work? I tell Rebecca, I said, Rebecca, go sit in the back seat. And I tell the twins and Emma, I say, look, you're going to have to hold some poinsettias. I want you to make sure you don't squish them. Guys, you got that picture up there? This is my suburban. And if you look, you can see several little hands back in through there. As we were pulling up to put those big poinsettias in, the lady goes, sir, I I think you're going to have to make another trip. I said, ah, we'll see. We'll see. And so we start to load them up, and we get to where we have about four left. And I'm thinking, this is going to work. We're going to do it. And um, I finally get that last one in, and there was not a single room for another poinsettia. The church had got 39. The lady gave us 40. And we got it done. And you know what I told that lady? I said, you saw it. You saw it. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, I should have known not to question you. Your resolve was greater than what I had said would happen. And that's a silly illustration. But, uh, you know, we live in a, in a time, and I know it's always been like this. Jesus himself is speaking to this in, in verse number 16. That people talk, 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 talk. That's an old saying. But we talk, 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 talk. But very seldom do we walk, 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 walk. And many times, the, wor- the world, through our words, their reaction is, let's see it. Let's see it. When we say something to God, it says, let's see it. When we say something to our family, family says, let's see it. Say something to our fellow church family, say, let's see it. Let's see it. And that's the simple thought I want to speak to tonight. Let's see it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for everything you do for us, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity it is to, uh, once again, preach your word tonight. And Lord, I ask that you would help me to say only what you would have me to say and nothing more and nothing less. And, Lord, I pray tonight that uh, through your word, Lord, that we would be a uh, do-it church and not just a talk-about-it church. And, Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for this great church that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I, I, I have realized in my life that I learn much better by watching somebody do something. I learned so much better by watching someone do something. Look, Some of you people that can just uh, pick up a book and read about something and you know how to do it by doing that. Um, I see guys learn computers that way. I see people uh, learn different trades that way and they read a book and all of a sudden they can just go out and do it. I'll just be real honest, that's not me. It's not me. It would get an idea of how to do something, but that's really not me. I, I, I would much rather, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I, I would much rather figure out how to do something by watching someone do it good. By watch it, watching someone do it good. Uh, I, I've said it, I've used this example before. We were mentioning it the other night at the basketball game. Uh, that you know back when I was learning to play basketball and such, I would watch these Pistol Pete videos. And uh, Pistol Pete, Fundamentals of Basketball, is that what, he, what it was called? And uh, Fundamentals of Basketball. And, uh, and he would be there, and, and uh, I think he filmed them at uh, LSU's uh, gymnasium. And, and uh, he would sh- be showing all these different fundamentals of basketball. And, and he would uh, give you all these hand-eye coordination uh, things. He would go through the shooting form of basketball. And, uh, and he would do all these just just crazy tricks with the basketball to help you uh, learn to handle the ball better and to pass the ball better and to shoot the ball better. I mean, I learned so much from that, those particular videos. And it was watching someone who had perfected this particular art and, and watch him do it. Uh, several times uh, in in my adulthood, I am not a mechanic by any means. Uh, Something has gone wrong in my car and I've taken it to a mechanic and they say, well, it's this or it's that or it's this. And and they'll say, and then it's gonna be this much to fix it. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take that home and fix it myself. And uh, um, I did that one time with a heater core in my Silverado pickup. And uh, um, if you know about that particular element, um, in many of those old uh, pickup trucks and vehicles, period, you would have to take your whole dashboard apart to do it. I did that one time. And, and I thought I should have paid the mechanic. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I watched the video and, and I was able to get it done and it worked. And uh, um, I only ended up with one extra part when I was done closing the, the, the thing back up. And, and I felt pretty good about that. The truck still ran. And, uh, um, but, but that's the, that's the way I, I like to learn. And that's the way a lot of us tend to learn. And, and most people, I believe, learn better by watching someone else do something. You know, that's the way it is a lot of times in our Christian life. Look, we are given the manual to read and to, and, and to learn it this way. We are. And it is up to us to, to read it and learn it. And yes, you do learn your Bible by reading it. But can I tell you, just as learning better by watching someone, I have learned better the scriptures by watching great Christians that have been in my life do the scriptures. By take what's in here, and they did it. And look, I'm I'm not advocating for not reading your Bible. You should read your Bible each and every day. And you can learn from it. And you ask the Holy Spirit to help you learn uh, as you're reading his word. But how much better is it for us as Christians to have fellow Christians that are actually outliving what God says in his word. And those examples that we can follow, those examples that we can look to. Uh, many of you, if I went around the room and, and I said, hey, you know, what, what, who was who your Christian hero in your life and who did you learn uh, the most about? You would mention and you say, man, I saw him do this or I saw her do that. And, and I saw him live this particular way. Uh, they didn't just say it with their words all the time. And though their words were appropriate, they actually did it. You know, there's two kinds of Christians that, that or we preach about. And, and it's the ones that say, you know, all we should do is do, 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 do. And yeah, that's what we should do. But you know, we should talk about it too. I mean, we're not monks. <laughs> we're not called to silence about these things. But then there's also all these Christians, and especially today, that's, that's all they do is talk, 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 talk. And a verbal Christian testimony is only as effective as it is backed up by its Christian example. Your testimony is only as effective as your example. And we forget that sometimes, and I know these are all uh, cliches that we use, but they're true. Actions speak louder than words, and they do. It's been said that our talk talks and our walk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. I actually got that right for a change. But we live in this very superficial uh, time period as far as Christianity. Those in here that have Facebook, you can pop up Facebook and man, uh, there's a lot of great Christians on Facebook. <laughs> and I'm not saying there, there isn't good Christians on Facebook. But there's a lot of just good Christians on Facebook, meaning they're just good Christians while they're on Facebook, And they put it out there, and their coworker sees them at work. And it's like, Did you post that this morning? After they just heard you say about 92 curse words? Not that anybody else would say that. We co- He covered that this morning. See, I told you I don't have any notes. It shouldn't be a long night. I'm, I'm just prepping you, okay? But we should be that example. And Central Baptist Church shouldn't be the church full of those Christians that are only good Christians on Facebook. Now, you should be good Christians while you're on Facebook. (laughs) But it would be so much better to, to, to be both, to be a walking Christian and a talking Christian. I want to give you two things tonight. Two very simple things. And in some areas that we tend to talk more than we actually show. And, uh, um, and then I'll close and, and I promise um, I'm preaching that myself tonight too, okay? And the first, the first area that we tend to do this is, this is very simple, in our praise. In our praise. We do this really good in our praise, can I ask you if, you, if you sit here and think about it, you, all, many of you work and you go out to the workplace and, uh, um, and tomorrow somebody's gonna approach you or, or maybe, maybe they don't approach you because they don't wanna talk to you, but, but maybe somebody wanted to approach you to say, hey, how was your weekend? And, uh, and many times you're like, oh, I was at church or I watched church or something of that nature. And they're, and they're like, oh, how was your weekend? They're like, oh, I did all these things and they never ever mentioned church. But then somewhere along the way, they use a cliche or they use a phrase such as, well, praise the Lord. To reward this to um, walking and talking more in our expressions. And they'll say something like, praise the Lord. Have you ever followed that up with, well, what you praising the Lord for? just a thought I had (laughs) from yesterday, today. So what are you praising the Lord for? Now I'm not advocating to not say praise the Lord. You should say praise the Lord. But if somebody was to ask you every time you use one of those expressions like God is in control, but yet we're freaking out in the closet back there because of what's going on. Or we use that expression God is good. And somebody says, Well, what's he good for? We say, Praise the Lord. For what? I can hear the crickets. I know. I hear them. And I'm not saying we shouldn't say those things, but it should be real when we do. I'm talking about real and passionate. Hey, praise the Lord! Turn your Bibles with me. We're just real fast over the Genesis chapter 22. I want to show you something. As you're turning there, I want to show you where we're going here. We live in a generation of fake. It's just fake. Everything you see is fake. Fake news. Our friends are fake sometimes, not really our friends. And uh, I I mean, uh, people are fake. Uh, Pictures are fake. You know, we all got those beautify apps on on our photos before we post them. It's just fake. And fake Christians do a disservice to God. My brother, who is a pastor in Kansas now, was a youth director for a time, and uh, he would ask me if I would go on teen activities with him., "Sure, I love to go on teen activities. I love that." And he would do these scavenger hunts, and we would take the teenagers to the mall, and he would have church members dress up in a fake outfit. One year I went as an old guy. That would still be fake for me. Okay, I'm still a young guy. And I uh, went as a really old guy. And my wife did all the makeup and and everything. And, and the goal is the teenagers are divided in the groups. And they're uh, given a list of names of church members that are actually there. And they actually have to go and take a photo with that church member spread out at the mall. And I'm not... If you get to know me at all, I'm not ashamed to really dress up and go above what people are actually asking us to do. And so I've done that before. And then one year I got this great idea. We lived in Jacksonville. There's a lot of Gator fans there. Sorry, greens. I, you know where this is going. And I thought I'm going to dress up like a Gator fan. I hate the Gators. I'm not a Gator fan. And I thought, what do I think a Gator fan looks like? You know, there's definitely some things that are easy to point out, like they're obnoxious and things, but you can't actually see those things. And I thought, I'm gonna do that. And so I went and I found a shirt that said University of Florida blood donor. I mean, it doesn't get more Gator than that. I'm gonna give my blood to the University of Florida I thought, well, you know, how, how would they look? So, of course, I went and bought a mullet, and uh, not the fish, but the hair. And uh, um, went and got a nice little mustache, and uh, um, I left out the jorts, thank goodness, for the viewing audience. And uh, no, no jean shorts there. And I went around the mall and dressed like that to see if they would find me. Tell you very few of the groups actually found me. But I was a fake. Put it up there, guys. There it is. <laughs> University of Florida blood donor. The funny thing is, is my brother and sister in law are actually gator fans. Nothing I love this picture. It's as fake as fake can be. They went around and they thought it was real. And I was looking at that picture today and I was deciding whether to send that to the, to, to the guys in the sound booth. And to be honest, I didn't send it to them until I walked out there as, as we were singing. Wasn't sure that I was gonna reveal myself or that picture to our church family. No, no taking photos of that picture right now, okay? And Nehemiah, you better not send that to anybody, all right? And, uh, but it's fake. But I was looking at that picture, and I was actually looking at that picture last night because I was gonna send my brothers a text message who are all Gator fans, and I didn't do it. But I was looking at that picture, and I thought, you know, I wonder if that's an accurate description because I knew what I was gonna preach about what a lot of Christians are. We have a lot of Christians that get out and they camouflage. We have a lot of Christians that get out in the world and they camouflage with the world. And we and we do that. And then when we talk about these things, praise the Lord. Our coworkers look like look at us like we've just lost our minds. Because it's not real. It's fake. Let me show you some real examples of it. Genesis chapter 22, verse 13 says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen." Oh man, here Abraham gets to, we all know the story, and uh, uh, as God is, is is giving him this particular test, and he takes Isaac up the mount, and just before he is about to, uh, to kill him, as God says, uh, the Lord stays his hand, and he finds this ram, and, and God provides this ram in the thicket, and here Abraham is, and he's like, praise the Lord. Nobody had to wonder what Abraham was praising the Lord about. It was as real as real could be. It was as heartfelt as heart, a, 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 as it could be. It was truly that overflowing of the heart uh, and, and those words. It was real. It wasn't just a, an expression. I mean, everybody uh, that, that knew of that particular time, everybody, uh, as it said uh, in the Mount of the Lord, it, it shall be seen. And we can even see it here in this passage of scripture as we open it. We have no doubt what Abraham was praising the Lord for. We can go through scripture after scripture after scripture. Solomon praised God at the dedication of the temple, the Bible says in, in 2 Chronicles 7, verses 1 through 5. Why, why was he praising God? The Bible says that as he was, that, that as he was dedicating that temple, what does the Bible say? He came into that room. It was said the glory of God was there. And he said, praise God. Praise him for, for, for who he is. We're not close, but go ahead and turn over there. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. If you're going to, to use these expressions, make sure it truly is that outpouring of your heart what's truly there. I think we do a disservice to our witness, which has been talked about a lot. Talk about that in regards to this day and age of, of social media and and. and this politically volatile time and such. And a lot of us do a disservice to our witness by many of the things that we, uh, how how we react and, and treat people. But I think a lot of times as Christians, we do a disservice by simply saying fake things. That things we think we're expected to say. What if you had a coworker that was needing the Lord And he was truly looking for that person that that was real. I mean, that had that real walk with God. And they're just at that point and they need you to be that witness. But all you ever give are these empty expressions with nothing to back them up. They're like, well, I wore my central polo to work, so I gotta at least say praise the Lord once. I asked earlier, what would you say if your coworker came and said, "For what?" You say, "Well, for salvation." Well, that's great. That's praise, the Lord. You should praise the Lord for that every day. And and, and if, if that's real, you know, don't it shouldn't be like, oh, well. Let um, me think about it for a second. Did I just use an empty expression? Did I use the expression that when my wife says, "Does this does this look good on me?" and I'm looking at the TV and looking at the football game? Sure. Well, what was I wearing? I think that's a lot of times how how we treat these things. But in our praise, in our expression, it should be real. It was real for David. Psalm 103 in verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with me, bless his holy name. In verse 2, he he begins praising forgiving the reasons why he praised the Lord. I'll read them for you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He doesn't just give an empty expression. He says, This is why I'm praising the Lord. And he talks about it. He talks about the forgiveness in verse three, the fact that God answers prayers in in verse three, the fact that he has redemption and that he's loved and that that he has satisfaction and that God gives him strength and he has assurance and he has everlasting life and all these particular things. He actually has reasons that back it up. He continues that thought in Psalm 105. In Psalm 107, he begins to give us four times that we should always praise the Lord and not just mention his name. And if I can say it like this, in vain, in emptiness. See, Matthew twelve thirty four says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We're already almost out of time and I'll get to the second point here. But if I can finish that, it's very simply this. Don't go around bragging about what, what a, it's not about bragging about how good we are. What a good Christian I am. In fact, I think if we're, all, if we're all honest, it would almost be better to say, I'm not a very good Christian. At least it would show the world our honesty. And then secondly, in our practice. In our practice, not just in our praise, but also in our practice. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verse seven says, for God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. Holiness. You know, we talk the biggest game in the world when it comes to this, of godly living. But this is the one thing, that has to be a show me. Let's see it. Let's see the holiness. God calls us to live this holy life. He doesn't call us unto uncleanliness. He doesn't call us unto uh, dwelling and living in the world. He doesn't call us unto uh, partaking in the things that the only world should partake in. And the Bible still says, and I mentioned it to my class the other day as we were going through these Psalms and Proverbs, uh, that the Bible still says that wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. God doesn't call you unto that uncleanliness. He doesn't. He doesn't call you unto uh, the, the, the actions of the world. He doesn't call us unto the appearance of the world. In fact, he says we should avoid that. He says, I've called you unto holiness, unto a separated lifestyle. See, these are the things that we don't like to hear preached anymore because we're so intertwined with the world. And we think, but that's going to hurt to have to cut that off. I mean, it is so entangled. I have a giant schnauzer for a dog. I know many of you have probably seen the little mini schnauzers, and I have the giant version of it. And uh, you normally have to get their haircuts pretty often. and, And to be honest, I just really hadn't had time since we moved here. I hadn't given them a haircut since we moved here. And this past week, Diana finally said, Bear has to have a haircut. Got to get one. So I got the clippers and uh, I started to cut them. And man, he was so mad. Just to be honest. I mean, he was so mad. I mean, I cut that thing and it looked like a toupee. I was looking for somebody that looked like they had a toupee, but I don't see anybody in here. And, uh, um, Brother Lapone, you got, no, just and, and, uh, play. And so, I mean, it just looked like this. And uh, um, it was just so intertwined, all this uh, dead hair and, and growth and those things that, that are in there. And it was a mess. And poor Bear had to get shaved. He looks like an overgrown chihuahua right now. his beautiful beard that all schnauzers have, had to go. He had to part with it. What happened? All the uncleanliness got trapped in there. But in our Christian life, as that uncleanliness gets trapped, we we gotta put it away. Gotta get rid of it as quick as it comes to us. That's why it's important for us to have that real relationship with God because every day we get that cleansing. Thank goodness I don't have to give Bear a haircut every day. But I do shower every day. And that should be done both physically and spiritually. Why? Because God calls us not unto uncleanliness but unto holiness. And every Christian who is living a godly life, their actions will match up with God's standard of holiness. Look, I know those are words that we don't like to use anymore: holiness, separation, and standards. But God still uses them, God still has a standard in the land. And they're not just standards from our, our words. They're our actions. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen: if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, these are these evidence, evidences. My tone got in front of my mouth there. This is the, the evidence of what God is doing in our life, of us living that godly life of us living that holy life, of us living that separated life, of us living a life that is up to God's standard. You know, it's funny in regards to standards. We'll take them in almost every other area of life, except when it comes to our Christianity. We we have a basketball team at school. Hopefully you get out to support us sometimes. Brother Heath and Brother John do a great job with it. And I get to sit on the bench and... Guess what? When the players aren't living or playing up to the standard that Brother Heath has set for them in the varsity game, what happens, Brother Heath? They sit on the bench after they get yelled at. Same thing in the JV game. That's the standard. It's what is the expectations that that, that the coach, the one in charge, has placed on the one who is serving that coach. We'll accept those standards. We'll even get yelled at on the court and take it and realize, you know what, that's right, I just gotta get better. Have standards at work. Those of you that are in charge at work, you're like, hey man, there's standards at work. Gotta show up, gotta be there, gotta do the job. And you say, well, God has a particular standard of living, living of holiness. And we're like, well, we shouldn't use that word anymore. I'm sorry, I don't believe the Bible agrees with that. There is a standard of holiness that God has that expectation of, that change And it, and it shows through in our actions. It showed in the Apostle Paul's life. He was a different man than he once was. He said different things than he once did. He walked a different way. Same thing happened to the woman at the well. And these are these ways that we can show the world that there's evidence of what God's doing in my life. My girls are, uh, I think I used this illustration uh, in chapel. I'm privileged to be my girls' dad and my wife's husband. I'm gonna say that first. We went to Disney World over Thanksgiving break and we were at Animal Kingdom the second day, and uh, we'd seen this man in this uh, little motorized scooter a couple times throughout the day, and of course the girls were all matching and such as they normally would at a function like that. It's just easier to keep track of them if they're all matching, and uh, and so um, man had come over, and we were about to get on. um, It's tough to be a bug, I think, and uh, he, Rode over on his little motorized wheelchair thing, hover around. I probably what it was, and uh, he asked my wife. Says, "Are are y'all Christians?" And he and she said, "Yes, sir, we are." And uh, I could hear him talking to her just a little bit, and uh, he said, "Well, I I wanted to tell you, I've seen y'all on several rides today, and um, he's look could have just been." A creepy old man but he said some really nice things to us and uh but he said says you know i, I wanted to tell you that i've heard several other people talk about your drills today as i've been standing in line or such and and he says and it's envious to see a family such as yours wow and by that time i, I turned over and and said something to him And nice to meet him and told him where we went to church and such and uh and he said, he said something, and it's honestly the nicest thing anybody has ever said to me. He said, we were over on Mount Everest and we were pretty close in line to you, and I, and I remembered seeing him there. And he said, and it wasn't about their matching outfits or anything of that nature. He said, I got around your family and I could just feel the presence of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, I started crying right there in that line. It's like, and I told him, I said, sir, nobody has ever said anything nicer to me than that I said you definitely aren't saying it because of me but I'm privileged to to be their dad and conducting themselves in a manner that brought honor into the Lord not just oh man those are sweet pretty little girls you know there's that phrase I've mentioned that let's see it You know, we say we're Christians. Let's see it. Let's act like it. Let's do it. That's the only thought I have tonight. Let's stand.